Welcome to the Truth As I See It podcast. This week's episode features the most painful sentence I have ever endured. The strange thing is, I only started to remember the pieces of this story recently, only after telling other stories about the same time period. Funny how the painful things fade away, and yet, we know they don't always. This isn't my favorite story. It's not my finest moment. But here goes. This is a very mean story to tell. It's mean because it's all hearsay. For all I know, it might not even be true. But I've never known those who told it to me to lie. So even if it isn't true, it's so rare as to be worth telling you. I need to get the worst part out of the way first. I don't even remember her name. I just don't. For the life of me, I can't recall what her name is. And I could look through a list of names 10 pages long Not one of them would look right. We were in ninth grade, and we lived across the street from each other for the summer. But it's not at all like you imagined when I said that. It was way out Battle Creek Road, past the city limits, and I lived with my parents in a newish two-story home in the woods, while she resided at a missionary training facility located across the street. As the crow flew, we were probably a good half a mile apart, at least. She was pretty. I'm going to say that a lot. And we got to know each other over the summer. I was finally growing out of the youth programs that the missionary training facility ran each summer, and her parents didn't force her to go either. So we did what teenage kids did. We watched movies, rode our bikes, scrounged up change for the vending machines, and bummed rides to the local coffee houses where we might catch a free show if we were lucky. She was beautiful and very grown up for ninth grade. She had long, dark hair, and she dressed fashionably. She had a perky little nose that wrinkled up when she smiled, and she was ridiculously nice to everyone. Me, I was round. If we are born with a curse, then mine is my belly. Two skinny legs, two skinny arms, and one chubby belly. Now, I played football, and I ran. I rode my bike, and my mom cooked healthy foods. None of it mattered. I was chubby. And so girls remained a wonderful thought and a remarkable enigma to me. I asked girls out, starting with a dear friend when we lived in Hawaii when I was in seventh grade. That's when I learned that you just don't do that. One girl, a tall redhead, who went on to become a beautiful and successful psychiatrist, kissed me one time, but she was going through a rough patch, like me, and we just couldn't find any real comfort in our shared afflictions. The rest of us, we were a posse. My best friend, my brother, a couple other missionary kids, and me. When she came into our lives, there was an instant sizing up and a shuffle to gain her attention. I sort of watched from the sidelines, since I was very much out of the running, The more the other guys fell over themselves to gain her attention, though, the less interested she seemed. As the school year kicked off, I remember thinking about her a lot. She paid attention to me, which was rare enough for anyone, let alone someone as amazing as her. I asked her to go on bike rides with me, and she did. We'd ride all the way down Delaney Road to the town of Turner, and sometimes we'd ride out Parish Gap Road to the old grade school, Cloverdale. We'd swing for a while and talk, Then we'd ride back slowly in single file on those dangerous country roads. On one of those bike rides, we rode past the house of a girl who was just a little older than me. She'd watch us ride by, her eyes following us all the way to the playground of the grade school, which was not too far from her house. Years later, when I married that girl, 
She said it made her jealous that I was riding with this pretty girl, even though she didn't like me at the time. Now, I only had eyes for this pretty, dark-haired, nice girl. I was falling in love with her, and I was falling hard, with nothing to break my fall. We spent a lot of time together. I told her stories, and I imagined myself beguiling her with my wit and charm. If I could get her to look past my physical disproportion, perhaps I could get her to see the real me. I don't know exactly when I stepped beyond hope into belief, but she gave me permission by agreeing to spend that much time with me. After working myself into a frenzy over whether I should jeopardize the friendship in order to ask her out, I decided that she was just too nice to say no outright and break my heart. She might find some way of letting me down easily, which would hurt, but she was too nice to just say no. I don't remember where it happened, but I finally asked her out. To my great surprise, she said yes. Absolutely nothing changed. We still rode bikes until the rains returned, played board games in her parents' rooms at the missionary training facility, helped each other with homework, and and talked for hours and hours. I didn't announce her as my girlfriend. It was some sort of informal agreement that we'd just carry on as we had. We didn't kiss, ever. But we did hold hands from time to time, and I swear, it was as if you could catch the same thrill from kissing. I'd tingle all over when she slid her cool, dry hands into mine. I asked the fair-skinned, dark-haired girl to go to homecoming with me, and she said yes. But my heart was exceedingly greedy, and caught between a fat kid and an adult, I opted to use the situation to increase my social standing. It's funny, I, I can't remember her name, but I remember that dress she wore. It was blue with a bow in the back, and it fit her like a glove. Her mom put her hair up for her, and I bought her a corsage. She carried a small black purse under her arm, and when I saw her for the first time that evening, right before we left for the game, I thought she looked like she was 20 years old. I must look like a kid by comparison, I thought. At the dance, she was graceful when we slow danced, and she held her own next to my version of a bad joke when it came to faster songs. The whole charade had the desired effect. My buddies came up to me and asked me who she was. She told them we were dating. By the next day, my social status had risen at least 50 points. After the dance, things returned to normal for a while. We didn't see each other as much because the school year got busy. Eventually, I found out her parents were planning on moving away. She wasn't sad, though. And that made me sad. It was just a few weeks before she was due to move away for good. My buddy was talking to her about the move. He asked her about us. He said she answered pretty bluntly. I wondered what it would be like to date a fat guy, she told him. When he told me that, it broke me pretty good. It could have been that she said something much nicer, like, I wondered what it would be like to go out with a bigger guy, or something like that. But it didn't really matter. I never even saw her off. We only spoke once more. And I think she knew that I knew. Because she didn't even look me in the eye. My buddies, they tried to convince me that all women were evil. And I think I believed that for a while. Right up until the point where a girl who had jealously watched us ride by on our bikes suddenly walked into my life and taught me that not everything you see is exactly what you allow yourself to see. For better or worse, love is mostly made up of the things we convince ourselves of, but it's the reality in the shards of heartbreak that hold it all together.
podcast was produced by Akamafia Productions. Any relationship to real events or people is probably not a coincidence. These words and memories are my own and may contain traces of the truth. Music, as always, by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. You can catch the entire first season of the Truth As I See It podcast on SoundCloud or subscribe to it in iTunes. <laughs>